This episode is brought to you by Catan. This summer looks a bit different than most summers. We're staying at home for the most part, and we're finding ourselves looking for new activities to enjoy at home. Catan is a board game for three to four players, ages 10 and up, although younger kids can play with adult guidance. It is a great way to keep families engaged in off screens, even if it's just for a little while. And those opportunities are hard to come by. And it's really easy to pick up. Get Catan at CatanShop.com slash mom. Listeners of our podcast get 10% off the original base game Catan by using the promo code mom at checkout. Offer not good on other Catan titles or merchandise. Xfinity XFi is more than just fast. It's internet that gives you peace of mind security. Because if it's connected, it's protected. Yeah, even your robot vacuum. Can your internet do that? Learn more at Xfinity.com slash XFi. Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Caroline. And this is a topic that some folks have really been waiting for. It's been in demand. It has been in demand. Pinterest. We're talking about Pinterest today. Um, so my first question, though, Caroline, mm-hmm. for you is, did you, when you were a kid, ever have to do an insect collection for school? No. I had to do one. Maybe that was a weird homeschool curriculum. I did have to cut up in a frog, but that was in college. No, that was in high school, too. Uh, Continue. So no insect collection. No, I collected... I collected a lot of weird things, but not insects. Not insects. I, I had to do an insect collection, as did my my two older siblings. So for me, when I did my insect collection, it was like a sign that I was growing up, which is kind of weird. But um, I ask you about insect collections because that was one of the initial inspirations for Ben Silberman, incredibly successful young guy now, for starting Pinterest because he loved the idea and the action of collecting things and curating. And, of course, now we have the ubiquitous pin. Yeah, it's it's quite an interesting story, although I feel like it is common among, like, you know, these run-of-the-mill geniuses who go to college and they can't find what they're interested in and they end up, you know, starting a wildly successful Internet company. Because they start free associating. They're like, you know what I liked as a kid? <laughs> Collecting insects with my insect collection. How can I transition my Barbie collection into a bajillion dollar job? I'm still working on that. Modeling? Hmm. I don't know. So Pinterest was launched in March 2010, which is crazy to think that it has become such an online juggernaut in such a short amount of time. And uh, as I mentioned, it was started by a guy named Ben Silberman, who, as of this podcast recording in October 2012, uh, was 30 years old. He was on a track in college to become a doctor. I think he came from a family of doctors, and he was like, well, I will do medicines as well. But then he was like, I don't want to do medicines. And so then he got a consulting job right out of college, and all the while was keeping tabs on this crazy newfangled social media thing going on, got a job at Google in customer support, but then he left Google. Who leaves Google? Who leaves Google? Well, people who are going to start Pinterest... 
Well, yeah, he didn't know he was going to start Pinterest yet. He launched Tote, which is a shopping app, but he noticed it was not very successful. And he noticed that people were not using Tote as he expected. Instead, they were emailing themselves pictures of products to view later. So they were collecting pretty images of things. Foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. Yeah, so he tucks that away in his brain. And one day he's hanging out with this guy, Evan Sharp. Uh, and he wanted to come up with, uh, you know, like a look for this website idea that would let users scroll through a ton of images at once. The old infinite scroll. Which I love it. I love it, too. I wish the whole Internet were infinite scroll. It's kind of amazing. Um, and the whole concept, it's interesting that there's, it's the whole like infinite scroll and also going back to his childhood of this idea of of collecting things and, and keeping things ordered and curated because that really jives with these major trends that we're seeing online where we have all of this information, all of these images coming at us constantly. And so what do we need? Of course, a way to order all of it in beautiful boards with beautiful pins yeah. that we can stare at when we should be working. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie to you. When I first heard about Pinterest, um, which was the summer of 2010, so it was right after it launched, my Ooh. friend, my friend Katie was on it immediately. And I had seen people posting stuff on Facebook and I was like, what is this junk? Like, this is so stupid. I don't care what kind of like back porch you want on your house when you're 50. You know, like, God, this is so boring. And then Katie like tried to convince me to get on there. She's like, Caroline, have you heard about this site? It's called Pinterest. Yeah, obviously, no, I had not heard of the site because I'm not an early adopter of anything. <clears throat> so, <laughs> must have been really grumpy when this Katie stuck Well, because the way she presented it, it's like, well, you go on the internet and you find pictures of things you like, uh, maybe at a store or something, and you pin them to your board and people can look at it. And so, cue me staring blankly at her, and I was like, Right. So it's a registry? Yeah, like what would I want to see? Yeah, and and she's like, "No, no, no." I was like, "Well, why am I why am I pinning things to a board for people to see if they're not going to buy it for me?" So that was my thought for the longest time up until stuff mom never told you got its own Pinterest board and then I was like, "Well, maybe I maybe I do need another way to waste hours of my life." Yeah, cuz it's you start and then it snowballs because mm-hmm. if you, the way I started, um, pinning as well, I'm not, I feel like I'm not as active as, uh, of a pinner as I kind of should be because I see people that have like all of these amazing boards. But, um, for me, I, when I first started doing it, I, uh, the first board I started was of peeps. It was around Easter. And, and I got sucked into this vortex where all of a sudden, like, I was, in my bed, it was very late at night, hours had passed, and I couldn't stop looking <laughs> for pictures of peeps because the more you put on your board, the nicer it looks. I know, and the more people look at it and comment and like, and oh my God, when somebody repins a pin, it's like a popularity contest. Yeah. I love it. Well, speaking of popularity, uh, Pinterest has grown in leaps and bounds at an astonishing speed, which most of us probably know. Their unique monthly visitors in the U.S. alone, get this, in July 2011, they had 608,000. Yeah, pretty good. By December of 2011, 7.5 million. Okay, that's huge. And then uh, by June 2012, more than 24. 
20.4 million. And according to TechCrunch, they passed the 10 million mark for unique monthly U.S. visitors faster than any other standalone site in history. Yeah, and so now there's only Facebook and Tumblr that have more social media time on site. So more people spending time. It, it's it's a big time waster. It is part of the big three time wasters. Yeah, and and for for website geeks like myself, because yeah, we do this podcast, but I work for HowStuffWorks.com, and we're always talking about uh, page views and visitors. Listen up if you if you enjoy these kinds of tidbits, because monthly page views on Pinterest, and it's probably grown since uh, these stats came out. One point five billion. In the U.S., 1.9 billion worldwide. And on top of that, the average time that we spend on Pinterest is 15 minutes, which might sound like not much time, but that is huge in Internet land. Yeah, and it's also huge when you're trying to get ready in the morning and you're like, oh, while I'm brushing my teeth, I'll just look at this board. And, oh, God, now I'm late for work. <laughs> and I have no gums left because <laughs> I've just been brushing my teeth. Um, well, amid, so amid all this popularity, you think, oh, my God, these guys must be like bajillionaires, right? Well, the website itself is making no revenue. None. But investors love it. Pinterest has raised $138 million from investors and during a financing round in May raised $100 million. And that values the startup at $1.5 billion. Billion dollars. And when that valuation came out, of course, the Internet first exploded. And then uh, all of the, the tech commentators were like, you know what? That is that is huge. That might be overblown. They don't have a clear business model. Uh, Pinterest still doesn't have a hammered out way that they are going to start bringing in the money. Are they going to pull a Facebook and we're going to start seeing a lot more integrated advertising? Um, but the thing is, even though... Pinterest doesn't have um, a, a clear-cut business plan. The opportunity, the reason why they're getting all this money and this huge uh, $1.5 billion worth, uh, which is right now imaginary money, but nevertheless, it's a huge commercial opportunity when you look at the audience of Pinterest, which is by and large women, and what we're doing, which is a lot of looking at things that we want to buy and then buying them. Yeah, people are more likely to look at something pretty on Pinterest, click on it, go to the site, buy it, than they are, like if you post something on Facebook or Tumblr, for instance. Yeah, um, this was coming from uh, an infographic over at Fast Co Design. Uh, the average order value when a pinner buys something that he or she sees, $179.36. Compared to, if we see something on Twitter and we buy it, $68. And Facebook, $80. So already we have those high marks. And speaking to The Atlantic, Patrick Chung, who's a partner at New Enterprise Associates, said Pinterest drives more traffic to Williams-Sonoma and Martha Stewart Living than Facebook and Google Combined. Which makes so much sense. It makes all the sense in the world because when you look at the demographics, when you look at what people are posting, when you look at the most popular pins, a lot of that stuff is like dream homes, dream kitchens, dream backyards. I mean, I have like all those boards too. 
And people are posting like fancy schmancy stuff that they would one day like to purchase or own. And so that's that is driving a lot of traffic to like the the home sites and the kitchen stores. Yeah. And according to I was I was a little surprised at this breakdown, but also according to Fasco Design data, the top five categories um, of Pinterest, stuff that's on Pinterest, the number one category, and this is also, you know, sending dollar signs in the eyes of marketers, are jewelry, luxury, and accessories. All of those, it's a very aspirational mm-hmm. site. Of like, I don't know how many um, boards of friends that I've seen where it's like, what I would like in my closet, yeah. shoes I would like to own. Or handbags that would be nice on my wrist. And then uh, flowers, gifts, greeting, fragrances, cosmetics. I mean, it's oh, all of these all of these uh, consumer brands. And then food. So much food porn. So many recipes. Yeah. And I look at all of them and I'm like, God, that would be so great if I ever felt like cooking. Right. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Instead, I'll just look at your pictures. Or instead, you could just look at the e-cards, which are the fifth most popular yeah. category. <laughs> be like, oh, that was a clever quip on that. On that little vintage photo. Okay, so I already mentioned that it's, we both have already mentioned that it's mostly mostly ladies on the site. The breakdown, according to Fast Code Design, is that it's 79% female, mostly in the 25 to 54 age range. Ka-ching! And 21% male. And I know we have mentioned in previous episodes that, you know, women are considered the major shoppers of the household. Like, they're making all the major purchase decisions. In the UK, it's a closer split, but they're actually more men. 56% male versus 44% female viewing Pinterest in the UK. But analysts think that once Pinterest gets larger in the UK, then the demographics and the pen topics are probably going to trend more like the United States. Um, but one interesting thing about the growth of Pinterest was that some of the early adopters that really got it off the ground and really grew it into this lady haven that Pinterest has really become is the quote-unquote Bloggernackle, that's right, bloggernackle of young Mormons. And speaking of young Mormons, Ann Romney, in fact, was one of the first celeb level, uh, pinners on Pinterest. Yeah, and Gawker offers a, uh, an explanation for this. They say that, well, it's because the site is the most inoffensive place on the internet. They call it, quote, a gated community of perfectly curated boards sprinkled with Etsy-made children's toys and food blog recipes sheltered from the blasted racist hellscape of the rest of the web. Yeah, I mean, it is it is kind of a visual haven. I got on to, to prep for this podcast for a minute right before we came into the studio. I just got onto the Pinterest homepage and got on that infinite scroll. Yeah. I found like eight coats that I want to buy. <laughs> That I can't afford. And yeah, it was like a weird moment of Zen. Um, and so going on with the, the, with the Mormon bloggers, which is something I would be, I'm saying this now to any listeners out there who might have some insight into someone we could talk to about this. Um, because the, the Mormon mommy blogosphere is this, is this huge thing right now. And they said that the site is a demographic sweet spot for young mothers. Um, and especially appeals to a lot of Mormon women who tend to get pregnant and start families earlier and more often, as well as that focus on homemaking. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, the focus on homemaking, exactly. Mormon women tend to be more inclined to pursue crafts and cooking. I'm not just pulling this out of my butt. I was just having dinner with my friend whose sister lives out in Utah, and she herself said, they're very crafty people. And the site has has grown since then into even more of a female-dominated space, but this might also just be a reflection of the larger pattern online where women tend to be more social media-minded, where men tend to be a little bit more on the um, engineering side. They tend to comment more often, uh, but it's more of just like a one-off kind of thing. Or they are on Google+. Plus. Uh, for instance, like Google+, Plus is 71% men because it's mainly composed of early adopters, engineers, and developers, which, again, skews a little bit more male. But if we talk about Facebook... 58, 42% in favor of women. And also when women are on Facebook, we upload, upload more photos, we post more status updates, we provide more information about ourselves. Yeah, we spend more time on the site, which jives exactly with all the Pinterest apps. Mm-hmm. Like if, if the site's audience is mostly women, it's no wonder that the average time a user spends on the page it's pretty high. Yeah, and it's also no wonder that why the, you know, the the gender split has become so extreme of like 79-21 because the, it's almost like a, you know, snowball effect where the more uh I guess female centric stuff you have on there then of course it's going to appeal to one demographic more yeah. than the other. But what about Caroline? Feminism and Pinterest, because you know we had to talk about that. Yeah, feminism, I mean, Pinterest and feminism. It, it's gotten a lot of people to have that argument that we sort of touched on in our Femphobia, <laughs> Femphobia and Manic Pixie Dream Girl podcasts about the whole girly thing. The pink and the frou-frou and the cupcakes and the nail art, because, oh God, is there nail art on Pinterest. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. So we know, listeners, it's been rough for a lot of people out there, and we've been very open about our experiences with therapy and how it's been so helpful for us in the past and in the present. And because of that, we wanted to highlight a service that we think might be of help to you all, BetterHelp, which offers licensed online counselors who are trained to listen and to help. You can talk with your counselors in a private online environment at your own convenience from wherever you're comfortable. And BetterHelp counselors have expertise in a broad range of areas. They can give you access to help that might not be available in your area. And you just have to fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs and then get matched with a counselor in under 48 hours. BetterHelp is an affordable option and our listeners get 10% off your first month with a discount code MOMSTUFF. Get started today at BetterHelp.com slash MomStuff. That's BetterHelp.com slash MomStuff. Talk to a therapist online and get help. This episode is brought to you by Arches and Halos. Between being on video calls all day, having to wear masks everywhere, and now using our eyes and only our eyes to smile at people, it feels like the main thing people notice now are our eyes. Arches and Halos is our favorite brow products that is so easy to find, pick up, and with a few quick steps, have the most amazing brows ever. They have professional quality products at the perfect price point. Celebrity makeup artists use Arches and Halos because of how well done the formulas are, and they are half the price of department store brands. 
They have eight color shades to choose from, everything from sunny blonde to auburn to charcoal. Everyone is represented. They cater to women and men of all brow shapes and sizes. Embrace your natural brow. And they're all about individuality. Brow tools for all looks and style needs. You can use for dramatic or natural look. They have an amazing range of products, too, from tweezers, razors, pencils, pomade, mousses, gels, all kinds of things. Find Arches and Halos on your next trip to Target and Walgreens. Arches and Halos Professional Brow Grooming. Be bold, be you. So there's a, there's a bit of a philosophical look at this. Nathan Jurgensen uh, from the Society Pages back in March of this year pointed out the difference perspective versus the dominance perspective in regard to women on Pinterest. Yeah, the difference perspective of feminism as it relates to Pinterest would maintain that it is distinctly feminine and therefore something to celebrate. Hooray, ladies, we have carved out our our place on the web. Come one, come all, bring your uteri, yes. uteruses. I always want to say uteri. I think you should. <laughs> um, uh, blogger Amanda Marcote says, quote, the pink and girly exterior of Pinterest works as a jerk force field, keeping the most piggish men away, which to me sounds a little snubbish. I don't. Don't mind, you know, we can all share a space and look at cutting boards together, right? Right. Um, but at the same time, though, uh, according to this difference perspective, um, they're saying that we should celebrate it because a site shouldn't be dismissed because women are using it. Like, this is what makes it important. But what about the dominance perspective, Caroline? Right. The dominance perspective basically says that the type of femininity that's presented on Pinterest is in itself problematic. Uh, some with this view uh, think that Pinterest is exemplifying a juvenile and defanged version of women and empowerment that is ultimately more appealing to men. And we're back at our Femphobia podcast. And I don't know. I mean, I feel like that's almost that's an overreach because is there a ridiculous aspect of Pinterest when you stumble across boards of like vintage trowels <laughs> or something? You know, yeah, that's kind of crazy, but it's nice to look at, um, but then uh, for a, a final perspective on it, there's the othering perspective, which is viewing the male as neutral. Uh, by that logic, websites composed mostly of men are seen as neutral, and those with even a hint of femininity are seen as saturated with gender. In other words, would this be such a huge story? Would we be talking about this and even asking whether or not it's problematic at all or good or bad if it weren't catering at the time more toward women. Yeah, I mean, we asked the same question when we did our NFL, female NFL fans podcast, because we talked about, you know, just like the ESPN website. That's Mm -hmm. neutral. It's for sports fans. And then we talked about how ESPN was launching ESPNW for female sports fans. And do we even need this? What's the difference? Like, what's the important aspect of having a totally separate website? And it just seems to be over and over again that we've said this, that male things... Men-related things, masculine-related things are okay for everybody. Yeah, that's yeah the assumption that that's the neutral space. Right, whereas something that trends female or feminine or woman-related, that's gendered and it's pink and it's only for a subset of the human population. And I would say, too, aside from, and this is just my, my opinion, looking at the site, like if I 
the content of the pins aside and what you follow dictates what are going to be on the pins as well. Um, I don't feel like the site itself looks inherently girly. No. You know, it's red. I mean, the, the script of the P in the Pinterest, it has a nice little flourish, but I don't think that, uh, it's interesting that it, this was started by, by two guys who wanted a curation mm-hmm. device. They weren't out to, you know, start something for Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's not just pie recipes, you right. know, like there's no reason to dismiss Pinterest just because you think it's all like recipes for cupcakes. I was just looking at the technology and design boards because I freaking love typography. So I like to look at the design boards and I was looking at ridiculous things like screw speakers into the ceiling kind of stuff from Hammaker Schlemmaker or whatever that site is called on the technology board. So, I mean, it's not just like look at my wedding dress boards. Yeah, I feel like it's, a, um, if anything, it's a, it's a nice way of, of ordering the chaos of, of your obsessions. The web. Yes. <laughs> but Pinterest is not without its problems. And one thing that we have to talk about on Pinterest, because it's tried to get rid of this, but it is still out there so much, and that is Thinspo, or Thinspiration Pins of uh, extremely thin, either self-portraits, pictures of models, pictures of actresses saying, oh, it's the ideal body. Or it might be um, another version of Thinspo of like super cut, like extremely muscular, like like 24 packs. Like I don't know, even know how those exist. A case? Yes. <laughs> case packs. Um, and so in March 2012, because a lot of people had started saying, hey, whoa, I'm running across a lot of Thinspo on Pinterest because it's so visual. Um, on March 2012, the site banned all content explicitly encouraging self-harm or self-abuse. Yeah, and Pinterest had become the blogging platform of choice for Thinspo supporters, viewers, uh, basically after Tumblr and Facebook had instituted stricter anti-self-harm policies as well. And part of the issue with that, the reason why there was this big migration from those sites to Pinterest in the first place, uh, according to Claire Misco with the National Eating Disorders Association, she said that the format is attractive to the pro-Anna community because it's both visual and highly interactive. A lot of pictures, that infinite scroll, you just can sit there for hours and scroll through pictures of women who are, you know, completely emaciated. And so after um, Pinterest in March 2012 banned this content, they basically went, quote unquote, house hunting, according to Forbes, and have moved on to having a bigger presence uh, on Instagram. But there's still some, and I understand that Pinterest, as well as Tumblr and Facebook, um, they'll, they'll never be able to completely weed out uh, pro-Anna messages, thinspo, um, images of, related to self-harm. Um, but it is astonishing how quickly and how often a simple browse through um, through Pinterest will bring up something with the quote of, say, nothing tastes as good as skinny feels. Which, that might just seem like, oh, clever and quippy and, oh, Kate Moss, you, you silly gal. But I mean, I feel like that's like, you know, that's an example of it. It still is. And I tweeted this a while ago now, but I just did a simple search of women in in the Pinterest search bar. And what came back was almost like, I would say 80% thinspo. 
Yeah. Even though it, it might not have been explicit enough to, you know, raise some alarms and get it blocked, but it's still there, you know. I mean, and that's a and that's not a problem so much of really it's a Pinterest. That's a bigger societal problem, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, and also the the double edged sword of how easy and nice it is to look at it mm-hmm. and repin and keep on scrolling. Yeah. But yeah, please don't repin. Nothing tastes as good as skinny feels. No, we need to banish no, that. I, I really like spaghetti. Yeah. I think that tastes pretty good than being hungry. All that ghrelin, the ghrelin in my system that's making me hungry. I'm <laughs> right. starving right now. Uh, well, before we wrap up this Pinterest episode, because we could clearly talk about Pinterest all day long. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by China. The China brand provides premium disposable tableware to celebrate moments of togetherness. Yes. And right now that is more important than ever especially when we're all apart. So recently I had a group and we had a a socially distanced barbecue where the host drew out circles and chalk that were six feet apart and everyone showed up with their own chairs and beverages. And it was really convenient to have disposable products. And we we just had a a lovely conversation. Um, It was really fun. Yeah. And I'm with the disposable products. I know that the China brand provides durable and trusted products, which I have used before that let you enjoy every moment of the get-togethers and traditional or now not. And there are classic white products that can work for any gathering or cut crystal plates and cups when you want to make something a little extra special. Disposable tableware keeps things simple and cleanup easy. Chinet products are available wherever you buy groceries, including delivery or pickup. This episode of Stuff Mom Never Told You is brought to you by HelloFresh. Get fresh pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door with HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh lets you skip those trips to the grocery store and makes home cooking fun, easy, and affordable. And while we're under a quarantine, I will say HelloFresh has so many recipes. It's been wonderful because it gets me out of my rut and I'm able to try new recipes instead of my same old, same old. And they offer contactless delivery to your doorstep for easy home cooking with the family so you don't have to have those stressful meal planning and grocery store trips. Even better, HelloFresh's pre-portioned ingredients means there's less prep for you and less food waste. So if you're ready to try some of the delicious food from HelloFresh, go to HelloFresh.com slash MomStuff80 and use code MomStuff80 to get a total of $80 off, including free shipping on your first box. That's HelloFresh.com slash MomStuff80 and use code MomStuff80 to get a total of $80 off and free shipping on your first box. Additional restrictions apply. Please visit HelloFresh.com for more details. Uh, we have to talk about how some other enterprising gentlemen have said, hey, you know what, like Pinterest, like, all right, that's cool. We like the idea of curation and collection and ordering things on boards. Uh, but since this is for the ladies, let's make something for the guys. So, yeah, there's all these sites out there now. And it's so funny how they did not really deviate from, I mean, they are really just trying to make a dude Pinterest. Yeah. And so we have sites like Dude Pins, Mantresting. Punch pin, gentleman, and darted up. And yeah, speaking of darted up, Brandon Harris, the co-founder, 
was talking about Pinterest. And he said, you know, he looked at the, at, I guess, his girlfriend's account. And he said, I loved what it did. And I love the features. But I didn't like the content. The content is not geared towards a guy. I am not interested in cupcakes or puppies. But I am interested in cars and gadgets. And I will say, I'm sure you can find cars and gadgets on Pinterest. I was just looking at gadgets. Yeah. I was just doing that. But, however, um, these guys, yeah, have come up. They've taken the Pinterest template and broed it out. (laughs) So instead of pinning something, if you're on Manteresting, you're going to nail something. On Dart It Up, (laughs) guess, you dart it. And then on Gentlement, you save something to your mint, which is a little clunkier, gentlemen. But I like saying gentlemen. I'll give it that. And I, I wanted to give the bro pin sites the benefit of the doubt, mm-hmm. you know, because it, this was reported on in CNN. And a lot of the guys who who founded these sites really insisted, hey, you know what? This isn't like our sites are not about cheesecake they're not we know we respect women and um we we just want a more like manly interest displayed so i went over to man dressing to see what guys were nailing and <laughs> i gotta tell you it was about 50 percent. nope i'm gonna say it was about 70 percent boobs not i mean not pornographic like you know naked nothing like that it was safe enough for work but it was busty ladies and a lot of, of butt butts butt shots and yes there were lots of cars but um yeah i don't i don't know i was like ah well one one of these articles said that you know they not so much wanted to pin things that they or nail or dart or whatever things that they were interested in per se but things that represented themselves the way they wanted to be perceived. So like I want to be perceived as the guy who pins busty boobs, busty boobs, busty broads and cars instead of like, well, I, I do like that outdoor wedding photo, you know? Right. I mean, it, it largely looked like, uh, you know, if you could take, um, you know, posters that would be put up on a, on a college guy's dorm wall and transfer it to the internet. And like I said, I only went to Manchester. I scrolled until I could scroll no mo because <laughs> I just couldn't, I couldn't handle all of those, uh, all that, all of those cleavages. Cleavages. Not to say that I'm anti-cleavage, you know, breasts are great. But you know what I'm saying. I, I hear you. I don't think, let's just say, I don't predict they will be around for too long. No. Because Pinterest did something really well. And yeah, it's become a female-dominated space. But um, but hey, they did it well. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see, though, what happens once they try to monetize the company. And whether or not they will skewer themselves or whether or not we will continue to pin. Yeah, well, and also the thing is you can't really tell if a pin is going to be a sponsored pin or a regular somebody just likes that right. dress pin. Or, or spam pin. Yeah. So I can't wait to hear from our listeners about pinning and any guys on Pinterest out there or guys who are on, you know, if you are a gentleman, <laughs> let, let us know too. I, I don't want to immediately disparage these Pinterest for dudes sites, but it just seems a little like... I don't know. Guys, give yourself a little more credit. Yeah, I'm, there's not, come to Pinterest. Come follow our board on Pinterest. 
Yeah. Even better. There are lots of lady pictures on Pinterest. Yeah. So I'm just saying, if that's what you're into. Anyway, send us your Pinterest letters. Momstuff at discovery.com is where you can direct them. And speaking of letters, before we get around to them, we first have a quick message to share from our sponsor who brought us to this episode of Stuff Mom Never Told You About Pinterest, and that is Netflix. Yes, so for a limited time, Netflix has a special 30-day free trial offer for our Stuff Mom Never Told You listeners. Head on over to netflix.com slash mom. And we recommend checking out the ballet documentary, First Position, a look at young ballerinas. And, you know, while you're over there, just check through their selection. Titles are subject to availability, so head on over there to netflix.com slash mom to get this special deal. And back to our letters. Well, we've got a couple letters to share about our episode on crazy cat ladies. So, Rachel writes, First of all, I want to say I'm a huge fan. Thanks, Rachel. I listen to you guys every week during my bike commute to school or while cooking and cleaning my home. I just listened to your podcast on the crazy cat lady, and I felt compelled to write in because I come from a family of cat lovers. There has only been one year I have lived without a cat, and that was my freshman year of college when I was in the dorms. Among my family members, we have a total of seven cats. I have two, my parents have two, my sister has two, and my brother has one. Every time we get together, we inevitably share stories about our cat's crazy antics, which we are never in short supply of. My boyfriend used to point this out to me often because, to be honest, I had never seen it as being odd. After my last breakup, I actually talked about getting another cat, and my best friend warned me not to because I was on the verge of becoming a crazy cat lady. Obviously, my family is not concerned, but my friends definitely are. Kristen, I loved your story about Sir Lancelot. I often talk to my cats and introduce them to my friends, and I pretty much converse with any cat that I see. Rachel, you and I cut from the same cat claw. I I think Kristen's interactions with Sir Lancelot are charming. Thank you. <laughs> He's a cute cat. He is cute. He's got I, an extra toe on his paw. I really like. He should have some sort of admiral's coat. I think to wear. He's he's really stately looking. Okay. So here's a letter from Alexis talking about her relationship with cats. She said, I had the best relationship with my cat. When we got him as a kitten, I spent heaps of time with him. And when I did, I said his name over and over again so he would learn it. I gave him lots of attention and love and he returned it. He would follow me around and I was clearly his favorite of the family. If he needed to be found, my mom would just ask me to stand in the backyard and call his name. Moments later, I would hear his bell and he would be there. He used to sleep on my pillow, too, and wouldn't go to bed until I was there. This led to some annoyance as I grew older, stayed up late, and therefore had a loud, meowing cat at my feet, wanting to go to bed. Also, I am allergic to cats, something my parents kept bringing up and that I kept denying despite my constant sniffing and sneezing. It was worth it. I loved that cat so much. So thank you, Alexis. And thanks to everyone who's written in to momstuff at discovery. Dot com. You can also find us on Facebook, like us over there, and follow us on Twitter at MomStuffPodcast. And you can also follow us on Tumblr as well at StuffMomNeverToldYou.tumblr.com. And you can also head over to our website during the week. It's HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. 
Hi, I'm Amy Nelson. And I'm Sam Edis. We're the hosts of iHeart's newest podcast, What's Her Story with Sam and Amy. We both have our own businesses, and between us, we have seven children. And since the moment we met, we've been sharing our stories with each other. The thing is, we all know the stories of industry titans like Bezos and Jobs, but the stories of women, they remain incomplete. We ask questions no one else even touches. We are not afraid to get personal. So listen to What's Her Story with Sam and Amy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you crack open an American history book, it's sure to be filled with founding fathers, bloody wars, and the inventions that brought this country to the industrial age. But there's a whole other world that waits for us in the shadows. Tales of unlikely heroes, world-changing tragedies, and legends that are unique to this country's spirit. So join me, Lauren Vogelbaum, for a tour of American history unlike any other through a new podcast from iHeartRadio and Aaron Menke's Grim and Mild. Get ready for American Shadows. Listen to American Shadows on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.